You're listening to the RUV English podcast. To hear more and for all the news from Iceland in English, just head to ruv.is slash English. Hello and welcome to the RUV English podcast. My name is Darren Adam. Thank you very much for your company. Jakub Stachowiak is a poet originally from Poland. He's lived in Iceland since 2016. He works thinks and writes in Icelandic. He has published two books of poetry in Icelandic so far and has a busy year ahead, not least as he plans to continue with his studies. So, as a reasonably new Icelander, Jakob told me about his first ever contact with Iceland and what it was about the country that drew him in. My my journey from, from Poland to Iceland is that I, I heard Icelandic when I was 50. Uh, Kind of by accident, my father was uh, playing was uh, was playing uh, a lot of music back in the days, and one of the one of the musicians he played was Björk, the the, the Icelandic s- singer, and and I heard I, I heard Icelandic then, and I was like, I'm gonna move to Iceland, and I'm gonna learn Icelandic, and here I am. It, it's unusual that you heard Björk in Icelandic because mostly outside of the country, her songs, even with the sugar cubes, I think, were in English. But you heard the language. You heard her sing in Icelandic. Yeah, uh, she 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 published this one album of like classic jazz songs that's called Glinglo, Glinglo. Oh, yeah. uh, where she sings classic jazz songs in Icelandic. Did you know anything about Iceland when you heard these sounds? Nothing. I knew nothing. I was like, where is Iceland? What is it? <laughs> like... What what kind of language is it? And my dad is like, it's Icelandic, but I don't know how to pronounce her name. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so that was the first time when I went to my parents and I was like, I'm gonna move to Iceland and learn Icelandic. How long did it take before you were able to come here for the first time? Well, I came here for the first time back in 2012. That was for a voluntary project called EVS, European Voluntary Service. And uh, I was doing a lot of stuff. I was doing uh, work camp leadership. I was doing coastline cleaning, working in greenhouses, a lot of different stuff. But I didn't learn Icelandic back then. Um, it was pretty international. So that was a couple of months in Reykjavik. And then I came back to Poland and I came back here 2016. I'm trying to work out then the period over which you managed to not just learn Icelandic, but start writing poetry in Icelandic, which is a whole new linguistic skill set, isn't it? And level indeed. How long did it take you then to learn the language? Well, to, to learn the language like on a um, quote unquote basic level, that took me about a year, uh, a little bit more, from like level zero to the level where I could attend uh, the program studies in Hauskuri Islands. Mm. 
so that took me about a year and then it took me uh, a little bit more maybe another year to also to find the courage to to write something maybe two year and a half that's very impressive you know polish and icelandic has in common quite a lot of grammar mm. we have the cases and we actually have more more credits we have seven and icelandic has four but also the sounds you know polish is a language with a lot with a quite broad and like um, scale of sounds that we can pronounce we have all those sounds all so we can it, it it works in our favor because we are like more elastic than and we have R which is said to be famously difficult to pronounce even for Icelanders tell me about the studying that you've done here the course that you got onto that you wanted to do as a consequence partly of the Icelandic skills that you acquired tell me about the studies I, you you begin of course with in a language school so I did uh, I, I did uh, I took Icelandic classes in in Hetna, in the school called Multikulti that was this a, a little bit more than a year and I took all five levels and then I went to university and I did um, BA program in Icelandic and now I'm doing uh, creative writing m- master in Icelandic. As a poet, where obviously language is so important, is a specific language important? When you write poetry, when you manipulate words in a language that is not your own, is there a different sort of mental process, do you think, that goes on? I think so. I, I associate uh, specifically Icelandic. I have this this... I, I, I tend to think of Icelandic as, of, of this process as a very liberating one because you are in a language but you like you you also live in this language but you are not bound by any language traditions or you know uh, customs you would say you kind of do it your own way and nobody says oh you shouldn't do that this is not cool everyone says oh this is so cool (laughs) but well i mean one of the eddas was written essentially as a guidebook wasn't it for poets many hundreds of years ago i wonder as a as a new icelandic poet were you tempted to look at that edda as a guidebook and and follow any of the rules or follow any of the guidelines that it contained no i have to say that i'm i'm, I'm mostly in the 20th century in the last century uh, when it comes to poetry so i have looked into some of the you know historical poems and 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 context and the elders like for me poetry is all about freedom so mm. it, it it is also difficult to read uh, sagas i read we read one bo- one book of sagas for one class when i was when i was doing my ba in icelandic uh, and that was that was really difficult mm. you know it's uh, 
it's challenging. That's your approach to the language, which you've obviously mastered. What about living here? What about being part of Icelandic society? What do you like and what do you maybe like a bit less about living here? Um, well, I, I like... It was surprisingly easy for me to get into the the literary scene here and it, it was really surprising and and really uh, just a nice feeling to to experience this welcomeness kind of and this uh, just everyone just being so supportive and and nice to you and just I have some very, very good friends uh, at the literary scene and just, I think it's it's very nice. Mm. Um, and the things I like less, um, I don't know. I guess you could say that the, the gay scene, for example, here is pretty uh, closed. Like, I don't... I don't think of myself as really part of the queer scene here, even though I'm queer myself. And it has been quite difficult for me to uh, to to get into that. I know that a lot of people say that, so so there's something to it, I guess. Is it to do with maybe the size of the country, the size of the city? There just isn't a sufficient critical mass, perhaps. I mean, Reykjavik is a capital city, but its population is relatively small, and of course other cities and towns around the country are much smaller too. I think so. I, I, I mean, you could look at that this way, um, and it, it certainly has something to do with the size of the population, but, but it's also something... I really don't know how to explain that. <laughs> like, I... I, I, I I've been living here for six years and I still don't have the answer to that question and I'm still you know thinking about that yeah. but 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 I, I know that some of my friends who's lived here uh, and are queer and, and moved here they say similar stuff so there is a pattern to it um, and it's quite and it's pretty significant if you think about it because uh even because you can speak perfect Icelandic, but it would still be difficult to like. It, it, it's like you hit a wall at some point mm -hmm. that you cannot. You know, it's pointless to to pound your head on the wall. You know. So that's not a linguistic wall, then. There's something else going on. That's that. That's that. That has something to do with the with the society I itself. I I really don't know what it is and I kind of stopped you know, I kind of stopped it bothering me you know do you feel Icelandic do you consider yourself to be Icelandic oh very much I consider myself to be Icelandic very much um, actually at this point I don't think that I have much in common with the with with the Polish people. I will give you one example. Mm. I was reading my poems last year in the, in the countryside, um, in a place that used to be a slaughtering house. My, 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 um, uh, uh, 
daughter of my previous publisher, she she runs she turned this place into like a communal space where people can gather and you know listen to to some poetry, eat together and stuff. And it was an an evening of, of poetry, but there were also people, Polish people, who were cooking at that place. So they would make food, and it was like this international vibe and so on. And so I read my poetry, and then this this uh, you know the organizer Eva, she asked me uh, the same questions like you did. So how did you start writing in Icelandic and all those stuff? And then when she stopped asking me, she said to me now i'm going to ask you to turn around and explain that to the polish people that that are sitting behind you so i turns my so i turn around and i start explaining this to them in polish and what i see in their eyes is complete lack of understanding like they didn't they didn't understand what i was talking about that was the moment when i realized oh we have very little in common now. Right. So it's it's kind of this, you move from one language into another and it creates kind of like a gap, you know? Yeah. Well, I wondered about that. If you think of yourself, obviously you think of yourself and you are Icelandic, but whether you have that Polish identity as well, if, if one is more significant than the other, and it sounds like maybe it is. Is there anything that you miss about Poland? <sighs> I have a very complicated relationship with Poland, also because I'm queer, and when you are queer and you are a teenager and you grow up in Poland, there is a lot of hate that you have to deal with, like every day that is pouring on you mostly through the language, and so this is why you have to kind of learn to detach yourself from the language, to not go as a way of surviving in the society, right? Um, and I don't know, my, my parents, they live abroad too, mm-hmm. so, so that is kind of, um, I, 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 don't, I don't think about Poland that much, yeah. honestly. I, I published two poetry books on my own, and there's been this an- anthology of uh, foreign-born poets that we wrote a book together and um, it's it's just uh, it's a lot to talk about but uh, it's it's uh, the f- the first one that i wrote is called Nighturborgis or, or nocturnal cities and it's about uh, uh, it's about me finding my place in icelandic and like working through some losses mm-hmm. and uh, working through sorrow with the language because I I I, uh, I missed my I, like I missed my first boyfriend when I was 17 uh, he he committed suicide so I'm working through this you know with the help of Icelandic mm-hmm. um, and the other book is called uh, or outside the way it's a poetic world and it's more a kind of, it, it's like a it's more of a political one mm-hmm. so I've read a lot about capitalism and you know uh, uh, how do you call it uh, climate changes yeah. and these kind of stuff but I also write a lot about 
writing itself, the process itself. I'm really struck by something that's come through in our conversation a few times, this idea that it is the Icelandic language that has been liberating for you in all the ways that you've described it. It really is the language that, that matters. It is. It is the language that matters uh, very much. So I, I, but it is also something that you, that you come to, uh, to grow. It, it's like you have a plant at home, and you need to take care of it. So Icelandic is is kind of that plant, and uh, I I don't know. It's just, it's it's just. It is liberating to live in Icelandic, very much. It's such an inspiring message for anyone who is struggling with the language, as I do, as as many people who I think are trying to learn it do. It's been quite a humbling experience to hear about your love for it and the power that it has to liberate you. What's next for you then, as you continue to work through everything that you've described and to write the poetry that you've written? What are your what are your future plans here in Iceland? Well, I am performing in 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 a theatre play that my friend um, is preparing, reading one short story on stage. And then I'm also working on a short story collection and uh, there is a lot of stuff going on right now. So I'm also focusing on my studies. And, uh, You're busy? I am busy. Do you prefer to be busy? Yeah, I, I, I think so. As things get a bit warmer and brighter, is that a more inspiring time for you or do you respond positively to the cold and the dark? Mm, well, recently, I would say that I've, I've been tired of winter and, <laughs> and the darkness and, and the snow and, and everything. But I'm, I am talking about the future plans. I'm actually moving to Rome for, for the summer because I got um, the, the writer's salary for three months. So I'll be going, the, so I'll be in Rome in the summer working on a book. And uh, I just look very much forward to that. And so, so back just in time for the Icelandic winter again then? Then back just in time for the Icelandic winter to finish my studies. That's right. My new Icelander today on the Ruv English podcast was poet Jakob Stakoviak. His books of Icelandic poetry are Nighterbogir and from last year, Uti Bíðar Skáðlegt Verald. Join me next time for more from the Ruv English podcast and get in touch anytime. Email english at ruv.is. You're listening to the Ruv English podcast. To hear more and for all the news from Iceland in English, just head to ruv.is English.